Thanks for uh, sticking around. You must have known I was speaking today, right? Go ahead, it's okay. You can say something about that. No, I'm joking. Uh, I'm Rob Cosberg. Uh, some of you guys know me, and uh, others may be visiting, and so let me just say right now that I don't speak every week, so don't be afraid. You can come back next week, and probably Reese will be speaking then, and you'll get something inspirational and powerful from that guy right over there. He's pretty awesome. Um, I was given a, a topic that I'll, I'll talk about in just a couple of minutes, but um, for me, it's a topic that uh, I feel like we need to talk about, but we just don't talk about very much. And I don't know, you know, I, I'm from a Jewish background, many of you guys know that, so, you know, here's the Jewish guy speaking, what's the Jewish guy going to be speaking about? And I bet several of you probably already know what that might be, right? Um, open your Bibles with me to Malachi chapter 3. While you're trying to find that, I'll, uh, I'll share a few things. Malachi chapter 3. Uh, we have a new, uh, by the way, we have a new uh, member of the Cosberg uh, household while you guys are turning there. Yeah, new member of the Cosberg household, in case you're wondering. Uh, his name is Pete, and he is a bearded dragon. Anybody ever have a bearded dragon? Raise your hand. A few of you? Really? You had a bearded dragon? You still do? Oh, you just wanted one. Why'd you raise your hand? I said, if you've ever had a bearded dragon, raise your hand. Didn't I say that? Did you, get, did you other 300 people hear me say that? Good Lord, how confusing is this going to be today? I haven't even gotten into the text yet. We already can't figure out what I'm saying. I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. You did a great job on communion. Really, I mean, I, I hadn't heard that story. That was really touching and powerful. Um... Anyway, Pete's a bearded dragon. If you guys are ever interested in getting a bearded dragon, I want to let you know they're pretty inexpensive, right? I think it was like, I don't know, what was it, Cole? Like 40 or 50 bucks for the bearded dragon? Now, it was hundreds more for all the stuff the bearded dragon needs, just to be prepared. So if you want the bearded dragon to live like in the bed with your son or daughter, that's fine, really cheap. But if you want the bearded dragon like to have his own abode, it's a little like L.A. real estate. It's very, very expensive, okay? Anyway, we got Pete, and uh, Cole's doing a great job taking care of him. We gave him a month to, like, show responsibility. You know, you ever do that? Hoping that he wouldn't be responsible, you know what I mean? Like, if you can do this for a month, then we're going to go. Should have made it, like, two months or six months or eight months or some ungodly amount of time, but no, a month. And, of course, he held up his end of the bargain and you know what I mean hate that just kidding love Pete of course Reese is back from Singapore those of you who don't know Reese was here last Sunday right but between last Sunday and this Sunday Reese has gone all over the world he was in Singapore and uh, I'm glad you're back friend I miss you I'm glad you're you're safe uh, you know they cane you for any reason at all in Singapore I don't know if you know that and so I was a little worried about you like you spit gum out on the sidewalk your butt's getting caned right there they're bringing you out to the public square I mean now it's a clean city if you know what I mean and it's a beautiful city I understand I'm a little afraid to go in there myself but I'm glad you made it back thank you for for coming home do you guys find Malachi chapter 3 yet last, you know, book of the Old Testament. Pretty easy to find, really. So, uh, I was asked to speak on this. And um, it's kind of cool because uh, it's a little like karma, you know. I, I actually think that we don't talk about money enough. And 
That could be, you know, a pendulum swing from 10 years ago or 15 years ago, if you're around at that time. It could be because of what we see on TV and, you know, the prosperity gospel that's preached, you know, like if you give ten dollars, you're gonna get you're gonna get an envelope with a hundred bucks tomorrow. You know that whole, almost like that. You know, claim your Mercedes and you know your name and all that sounds interesting stuff. And so I think you know because of that, there can be you know this pendulum shift of you know let's not let's not talk about money because we might be lumped in with those that. You know, maybe think in terms of God being like our errand boy, right? That he's going to take care of all of our needs and he's going to, you know, make everything right for us. And if we give, we're going to get back a hundredfold of that. So we, is that, you guys ever think that way? You guys wonder about stuff like that? So um, I'm glad that I have an opportunity to talk about it. There's another reason too. You guys don't pay me at all. You know what I mean? Like you give and I don't care if you give or not. Right? Like, now I do care. You know, but, but I don't care for me, I care for you. Um, because giving, giving in, you know, there's kind of an Old Testament idea and a New Testament idea, or at least a lot of us think there are. There are like practices in the Old Testament, but there are principles that go with those practices. And, you know, I'm kind of taking you on a journey. I'm going to talk about all these different things and some, hopefully you'll learn some things from it. And I certainly did in studying this. Um, but it's a little like, you know, have to, get to, have to, get to. That's the way I think of it. Like, a lot of the legalism that, that we're tempted to fall into when it comes to any practice that we need to be disciplined with. Like reading your Bible. Should we read our Bible every day? Absolutely. Should we pray to God every day? Absolutely. The reality is we get to do that stuff. We don't have to do that. The same with giving. It's not a have to, it's a get to. It's not a have to, it's a get to. We get to do that. We get to have a relationship with God. We get to be blessed. We get to live in this incredible place. We get to have the gifts and the talents and the abilities and the jobs and the money and the houses and the friends. We get to have all that and get to give a portion of that back so others can, can get that too. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, thanks so much for coming today. That's really, uh, you can read Malachi 3 on your own. I mean, that you, you get to, we get to, is the point. Um, something I'm not going to do today. I'm not going to talk about myself. I know, it's funny, Carly, isn't it? <laughs> Thank you. Here's what I mean by that. Of course I'm going to talk about myself. I'm not going to talk about what I, what I give. And there are two reasons for that. You want to know what those two reasons are? Number one is none of your stinking business. I'm just kidding. Sort of. Uh, number two is found in Matthew chapter 6, and we won't turn there, but can someone tell me what Jesus said about our giving? Go ahead and blurt it out. This is cool. When I'm preaching, you can blurt stuff out. What did Jesus say about our giving? Right hand, left hand? What did he say? Sarah? Yeah, like the hypocrites give, right? They, they give for a show. They give because they're proud of it. And, and, and Jesus said, you know, they've received their reward in full. So I... I really believe like I'm going to get a reward from God, and so I'm not interested in receiving my reward from you guys today. You know what I'm saying? You get that? So, so these are principles for you too, 
And that's the cool, one cool thing is that in one sense, it's none of my business what you give and it's none of your business what I give. And in one sense, you should keep it to yourself because God is going to reward you. But in another sense, there should be part of you because of the way you give that like wants to share it because you're proud of it. You know what I'm saying? If there are those of us, I know I haven't even got, I'll read it in a second. Relax, okay? I'll read it. I can see the look on your face. Read the Bible. Stop talking. I get that. Where was I? I've already lost where I was. Okay, uh, Malachi chapter 3. Let's just go ahead and read it then. Let's start in verse 1 because even though we're going to focus on verses 6 through 12, let's start back in verse 1 and let's look a little bit of the context. I'll also tell you a little bit of the history of Malachi because it's, it's pretty cool history. In uh, verse 1 it says, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of his covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears for he will be like a refiner's fire or launderer's soap. Of course, he's talking about Jesus, which is really cool. Jesus came already, right? Cool thing is, though, he's coming again. These things are applicable. He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. Then the Lord will have men who bring offerings in righteousness. And the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will be acceptable to the Lord as in the days gone by, as in the former years. So I will come to put you on trial. I will be quick to testify against sorcerers, adulterers, perjurers, against those who defraud laborers of their wages, who oppress the widows and the fatherless, and deprive the foreigners among you of justice. But do not fear me, says the Lord Almighty. Verse 6, I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you've turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me. And I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord. And see if I do not throw open the floodgates of heaven... And pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops. And the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed. For yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Is that a cool scripture? Sometimes we focus on the negative a little bit. You know what I mean? The you're under a curse, right? Ooh, who wants that? The you're robbing God. Um, I, I'm going to say this, not knowing anything about you, I don't believe that that's specific to you. I want to believe, and I have with all my heart believe, that this is not a person here that is robbing God. And yet, there is a promise after you get past the challenge, right? The promise is what I want to focus on a little bit today. So the promise of, of Malachi, chapter 3, 
is the title of the lesson, if you would like a title. Remember how I like feedback, and I'm going to open it up, and, you know, I already asked Sarah to share. Thank you for doing that, Sarah. Nice job, by the way. Sometimes when you're put on pressure, you can't remember, right? You ever see, like, Jay Leno or, you know, those guys, like, interview people on the street, and they ask them basic questions, and they're like, uh, I don't know. You know, who fought in the American Revolution? I don't know. What the... The Russians, we fought the Russians. You ever see that? I love that. It's like, wow, there are people that I feel smarter than. That's cool. Uh, let me give you a little history of Malachi. Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament. Uh, we know that. It was written probably around 430 or so B.C. Um, it was written during the Persian rule of the Promised Land. So. So, you know, a little bit of history, you have the Babylonian rule, and, and at that time, you know, they were exiled, and then the exiles returned, and this is about a hundred years or so after the exiles returned, and so, you know, there they are a hundred years in the promised land, and things aren't going really great for them, you know what I mean? They're like, wow, I thought, you know, we're, we're going to return and God brought us back and it's going to be amazing and it's going to be awesome and he's going to bless us like he did and now we're under Persian rule and things aren't going all that great. Maybe God doesn't love us. That's actually how Malachi chapter 1 starts. The people are like, do you even love us? And God says, yes, I love you. Esau, I love Esau. I mean, Jacob, I love Jacob, he says, but I hate it. I mean, he goes through the whole thing like explaining, I love you. I do. So the people were really doubting that. They were feeling it. They had a thousand years after the, the days of, of Abraham to kind of look back on their history. As you get older, do you get wiser? Nod your head, yes. You guys in the front row, you're wiser than you were last year, right? When you were in the seventh grade, right? Oh, yeah. You got it all figured out. Now you're in the eighth grade, you know. You're not like those sixth and seventh graders. You're wiser. It happens for all of us. We get wiser as we get older. Well, the Jews look back at their history and they said, you know, we, we've gotten wiser. I mean, look at all the blessings and look at all the curses based on how our ancestors lived. So the Jews could look back and see all of that. Can't we do that too? You know, like in the history of the church or the history of our own lives, right? Don't we make like big mistakes and we go, I am not going to do that one again. I'm going to make a new mistake next time, as Marty Fuqua says. I'm not going to make that same old mistake. I figured that one out. So we go and we try something. We make a new one. Well, the Jews did too. They could look back on a thousand years of history and they could say, look at our time under David. Look how we lived. Look how we were devoted to the Lord. Committed. Look how we prospered. Look how we were blessed. Wow. Look at, look at the time under Solomon. But then the kings, you know, we were up and down. We were committed to foreign gods at different times. They could look back at that and see all of the mess. And hopefully... They had learned from that, and hopefully we have too. So you know Malachi is quoted extensively in the New Testament, like it's quoted pretty extensively by Jesus, it's quoted by Paul, it's quoted throughout the entire New Testament, so like it belongs there, it wasn't a mistake. That makes sense? So Malachi, or messenger, not even sure who the actual prophet or author is, has this message of being blessed by God in chapter 3. And for the first time ever, and no time that I'm aware of since, God tells these people and any people that would follow him to do something really unusual. And that is to test him. It's the only time in the Bible 
that God says to test me. Now, I want to get some feedback from you guys. I want to know what you think, and I honestly want to hear what your thoughts are, so be as honest as is possible in a group of several hundred people, several hundred people with all their eyes fastened on you. Why should we give to God? Tell me what your thoughts are on why we should give to God. What are your personal reasons for that? And if you can think of a scripture or a story or something like that, you know, share that too. Jason. Okay, so you said two things in particular, and that's really good. You said submission, right, which, which lends someone to believe that, you know, it's not always easy to do, right? So we have to submit. And the other one was trust, I think you said, right? All right, awesome. Any scriptures or any scriptural story or thought to go with that? Okay, we'll come back. Okay, you have a bad memory. I do as well. So it helps you to remember God. How does it do that? Nice. Good. So you set aside that to give back to God so you remember how much God has given to you. Awesome. No, no, Saida. Sorry. <laughs> we heard from you already today. Mm. Right, good. That's great. I don't know if you heard that, but it, it's a reminder that, you know, like, in one sense, we can't take any of it with us. Nothing really is ours, and it's our opportunity to give back because God has given it all to us. Rich. By the way, today's uh, Rich's birthday, so happy birthday, dude. There's his uh, balloon back there. Uh, really a shameless way to promote yourself on your birthday, but okay, I get it, fine, fine. We all, we all have the shameless things that we do. <laughs> so I, I couldn't hear it. Say that again, Rich. Mm. That's great. So when I give, I, don't, I feel like I'm not in need. Uh, because you, you, yeah right right that's great very cool yeah I'm good here's my chance to do something that's cool Les you have your hand up right right Hey, hey, don't get into my scriptures. I'm sorry. I did say, give me a scripture. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I did. I did. Go ahead. Say it. Right, right. That's great. So gratitude. Pure gratitude. Okay, one more.
All right. Keeps things into perspective. Yeah, good. That's cool. I, I heard some things that I wasn't sure I would hear or, or that I wasn't expecting. Maybe you guys did too, did you? Did you hear anything? You go, wow, that's, that's an interesting perspective. Um, you know, I, I mentioned the very beginning of the sermon, you know, that I feel like this is something that we need to spend more time on and, and talk about more. You know, the reason that I, I feel that way personally is because I really do believe it is a part of, like, my worship to God. Um, why do I think that? Well, I mean, the very first indication of Jesus being worshipped ever was when? He was the wise men. I mean, he was like this big, right? You know, he was a baby, and the magi come, the wise men come, and they worship him, and they give him what? Gifts, gifts of gold and incense and myrrh and things I've never heard of, amazing things, I'm sure, the gold alone, pretty cool. Like, I mean, they give him, they give him gifts, they worship him with gifts. That's, that's the very first time that Jesus, our Lord and Savior, before he died for our sins, that's the first indication of anybody worshiping him, and there it is in the scriptures, and they come to him bearing gifts. If they did it then, isn't that an act of worship for us today? It is. And we need to keep that in mind, I think. We need to keep that in mind. For me, I need to keep that in mind. Like, this is a cool opportunity to say, I'm worshiping you, Lord. I'm giving back. I'm, I'm all the things that you said, right? I'm grateful. I'm appreciative. I can't take any of this stuff with me. You don't see U-Hauls behind hearses, right? I mean, it's like gone. It's done. We come naked. We leave, you know... <laughs> embalmed with a fine suit of clothes, but we're dust, we're ash, we're nothing. Right. We're a mist that appears for a little while and then disappears. Gosh, 20 minutes left, I should probably get into the text. Um, what is a tithe? 10%, right? I mean, you know, biblically speaking, it's 10%. You know, the interesting thing here, again, some history, the Jews didn't give 10%. They gave tithes and offerings. And they tithed, you know, and, and gave a percentage to the Levites, the priests. They gave a percentage to the poor. Um, historically speaking, they gave about 23% of their income. Now, remember I said that there's a difference between, like, practicals and principles? And, and here's one of the differences. Well, they were a theocracy. So that was part of their societal system. We're not in a theocracy anymore. We have the government taking money from us. That, that's, that's not part of our giving to the Lord. That's just part of our responsibility, right? To take care of the things that we have. So there are practices, but there are principles. So when he's talking about a tithe and offering, he's talking about much more than just 10%. But let's think of it for a moment just in terms of 10%. Sacrifices, gifts, Offerings. You know, there's a bunch of cool scriptures, and I won't read them, but I'll, I'll mention a couple of them. God has always blessed generosity. You know? He's always blessed generosity. You have Abraham giving 10% kind of sporadically to Melchizedek. You know that story? You should go back in Genesis. Really cool story. King of peace, king of Salem. Who was Melchizedek? He's mentioned, of course, in the New Testament. Maybe it was Jesus. Maybe it was an angel. We don't know, but... God has always blessed generosity. David and, and, and the entire kingdom giving for the building of the temple. Remember what David said in 1 Chronicles 29? It's one of my favorite passages. It's, it's where David has this opportunity to give. And I mean, they give tons 
of gold and bronze and silver and building materials for the building of the temple that Solomon would do. And David sees all of this and falls down in worship and says, God, who am I that I'm able to give so much money? Who am I that these, and who are these people that we're able to give so abundantly? I mean, it is so, it is so much the attitude that we need to have, right? It's not have to, it's get to, right? Not have to, but get to. David was like, wow, look at what we get to do. I mean, that guy was, he had it all right. You have Proverbs uh, chapter 3, verse 9. Uh, chapter 11, 24 through 26, I mean, a generous person will be blessed. God promises that. And uh, let's look at Luke for just a second. Let's see what Jesus specifically said. We're, we'll turn right back to this, but this is a cool scripture in Luke that I think is just at least worth looking at in Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Jesus says in verse 37, do not judge and you will, be not, you will not be judged. And I love that. That's kind of what I said in the beginning. I'm not going to talk about what I give. I'm not worried about what you give. I'm not here to judge. You're not here to judge. Don't worry about that. Do not condemn. You won't be condemned. Forgive and you'll be forgiven. Verse 38, but give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. I mean, throughout the entire scriptures, there are these practices, but then there are these principles of giving. And the principle is, look, with God, you can't outgive Him. You can't. Impossible. When you give, you are blessed. When you sacrifice, you are blessed more. It is a principle that starts in Genesis and goes all the way through the book of Revelation, and we get to share in that blessing. Is that cool? Back to Malachi. And a question and a thought for you. In uh, the latter part of, uh, of the verses... Verse 10, 11, and following. He says, bring the whole tithe in the storehouse. He says, test me in this and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there won't be enough room to store it. I'll prevent pests from devouring your crops. Vines in your field will not drop their fruit before it's ripe. All the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land. So an honest question. And this is one that I had to think about in preparing this. Is this applicable for us today? An honest question. Is it applicable for us today? I understand that in the New Testament, we're not commanded to tithe. Get that. We have a challenge in Malachi chapter 3. If you do this, if you, if you make a commitment, if you test me in this, then you're going to be blessed. In what ways? Who knows? Financially, in your relationships, spiritually, reward in heaven, all of the above and more. Is it applicable, though, for us today? See, I, I, I don't know that we're convinced one way or another if it is. I don't know that. 
And I say that because I don't know that, I don't always know that for me personally. You know, um, when I was studying for this over the week, uh, I came across this really cool uh, survey that was done in Christian churches all across the country over five years. They said it had never been done before. It was a survey of people who tithed in their churches. All 50 states, tens of thousands of people that gave 10% or more, typically of their gross income back to their church or to their charity combination. And so a study was done. And there's a bunch of things that they learned. This was over a five-year period. Uh, Christianity Today did this. You guys can go and look it up. It's really very, very interesting. In fact, you can even download the whole like 27-page study if you're really bored and you want to just make sure that I'm not lying and that I'm telling the truth on these things. 50 states, all jobs, all incomes, not just wealthy. Anybody that said they tithed, what their income status, all that stuff. They looked at all of it over a period of five years. They found some really interesting stuff. First thing they found is on average only about 10 to 20 percent of any given congregation tithes. That's the first thing they found. Uh, and that 10 to 20 percent that do give 10 percent or more of their income uh, amounts typically to about 80 percent, 60 to 80 percent of the actual giving in that, in that church. <laughs> okay, let me go back. I gotta say something. Look at some of your faces. <laughs> I don't get anything if you guys give money, okay? <laughs> let me make that clear. You guys get that? So if you raise your contribution, if you lower your contribution, it doesn't go to me. Amen? You say, thank God that doesn't go to you. <laughs> We'd have to hear you more often. <laughs> anyway, that's the first thing they found. I'm glad somebody thinks this is funny, right? Um, you know, the second thing they found, and, and there were like four or five things. This blew my mind, and this was so cool to me. Second thing they found is 80%. Well, let me give you the, the general consensus. The general overview is that 80% plus of those people that tithe their finances, and financially, they are far better off than the rest of the people in their congregation financially. Okay? Meaning that they're more blessed. And here's how, here's, here's the, the, some of the details. Number one, 80% had no credit card debt whatsoever. 80% of all the tithers, no credit card debt whatsoever. 74% owed zero on their, on their vehicles. So 74% of all the people that tithe owed nothing on their, their cars. Last, and wow, maybe they didn't survey many Californians, but 48% owned their home free and clear. I know, it's like, wow. Now I want to tithe, <laughs> right? <laughs> this is a study they did. Again, 50 different states, every different level of giving. They, they asked these people, they asked the tithers and the non-tithers, um, after explaining this survey information, they asked them why they think this was the case. The people that tithe said, because we tithe, God has blessed us. The people that didn't tithe, I'm just giving you the survey reports, okay? Don't hate me. Don't hate the messenger guys, okay? The people that didn't tithe, you know what they said? 
They said the people that are tithing are doing that because they already have money. Wow. In other words, they were on like, in the same congregation, they were on completely opposite ends of the belief spectrum. Right? Those that tithe believe God's blessing me, and look how God has blessed me, and of course I'm going to give and give even more. And those that didn't said, well, God didn't bless me, and I don't have the money to tithe, and, and, and we all go through financial difficulty. I'm just explaining in generalities, okay? I'm not explaining each individual and specific circumstance. I'm giving you generalities and explanations. Do you, do you, get, you guys get that? But you know what? When I read that of thousands of people being surveyed all across the United States and all 50 states, I say, you know what? If I'm just a scientist and I believe nothing of the Bible, I would say, well, there's probably a correlation between giving 10% or more and having your finances on straight or not and not. Right? Not God, not faith, just science. Any scientists in the room? What would you call that? Hoppy, what is that? Am, am I incorrect? Thank you for saying that. I was afraid of what Hoppy might say, and then I have to change my whole dog on sermon. Right, I mean, there's a correlation. A survey was done. We're not talking about a survey of one church. We're not talking about one state. I don't want to spend all my time talking about a survey, but I do think it's important you know, the question that we have to answer is, is this applicable for our lives today? And if it is, then goodness, why aren't we doing it? Right. Look at how we could be blessed. Right. He gives, depending on how you read, verses 10 and following, and, and I need to kind of come in for landing on all this stuff. Um, he gives six to seven blessings. The writer and the Lord speaking, gives six or seven blessings that when we bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, when we tithe, six or seven blessings that we can count on. Let's read through those, and I'll, I'll give you a brief explanation of those. He says, first of all, test me in this. Like, give it a try. Don't be afraid. Test me. Give it a shot. And see if I don't open the floodgates of heaven. That's the first promise that he gives, floodgates of heaven. You guys know what floodgates are? You ever seen pictures like of floodgates? You know, a few years back they decided um, they, they were trying to move some sand in the Grand Canyon. And so they were literally going to flood a part of the Grand Canyon. And uh, it was a, a, a small dam. I mean small, relatively speaking. Not the Hoover Dam, but I think it was called the Glen Canyon Dam. And, and these floodgates, there were, there were several of them. They're massive. They're, they're taller than me. Okay, well, that's not very big. But okay, they're as big as reefs. And, and I mean, they're like six feet in diameter. So they are massive. And they open these things up, and literally 42,000 cubic feet of water per second flow through them. You get that? This is in a dam that you've never heard of, and that I've never heard of. And when they open the floodgates, it's like, it's like, it's incredible. That's what God says he does of heaven when we tithe. Is that cool? Yeah. I mean, is that a crazy image? What do the floodgates of heaven look like? Challenges in your life? I mean, where do you need to be blessed? In your marriage, in your finances, in your relationships, in your job, with your boss, with your children? Well, 
probably in the floodgates of heaven, there may be a blessing or two in that 42,000 cubic feet of blessing you get every second that could take care of that in your life. Just saying. Number one, floodgates open. Number two, he says, pour out, he'll pour out such blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. Number three, he goes on, I'll prevent pests from devouring your crops. And the vines in your field will not drop their fruit before it's right. Prevent pests from devouring your crops. What, what pest would there be that would like to devour our crops? Can someone tell me? Does he have a name? How about Satan? I mean, is he not our enemy? Does he not want to destroy you? Does he want to destroy your marriage? Does he want to destroy your family? Does he want to destroy your relationship with God? Would he love to fire you? I mean, would he love for you to lose your 401k in the stock market? He would love it. He would love it. He wants to devour you. He wants to devour your crop. The Lord says, I'll prevent that. I'll hold him back. Not only will I bless you, not only will I open the floodgates, not only will these... I, I'm going I'm to hold him back, he says, from coming after you. This is what the Bible says, okay? I've already said, I'm not this big prosperity preacher guy. I'm just reading the Bible and going, this sounds pretty good to me. Might want to give this a try. Right. I'll prevent pests from devouring your crops. And the vines in your field will not drop their fruit before it's ripe. You know what the connotation there of vine in your field is? Your family. The connotation is, you know, your, your vine, your fruit. The fruit of you, your seed, your family, protecting them. Oh, I know we need to save up for their college. I get that. I'd rather have God's protection over them. He says, you know, then some cool things are going to happen. All the nations will call you blessed. For yours, five, six, will be a delightful land. You'll be a witness to others. A survey result, maybe. Or maybe a specific witness. You know, let, let me end with this kind of thought or idea. I know it's not easy to think about like all the pressures and difficulties that we face and the challenges that we face and we live in the richest country on the face of the earth, really. Maybe not per capita, but overall. And we live in one of the richest places. Place of protection, place of beauty. There are two ways to kind of respond to this. And there are two ways that you may have even responded to something like this in the past. Because I know I have. The first is, you wonder, well, I don't know if my motivation is right. And am I doing it for the wrong reasons? Am I doing it because... I'm guilty. Am I doing it because I'm excited? Why am I doing it? I'll say this. Don't worry about why. Do you notice that, that God doesn't check your motivation here at all? He doesn't say, and do it with the right heart, or that's going to blow the whole thing up anyway. He doesn't say that, which is interesting. He doesn't say to worry about your motivation. You know why? Because your motivation will work itself out. One of two ways. Either you'll try it for a while with a bad heart, and you'll say, this don't work, I'm quitting, right? 
Or you'll try it for a while with your heart maybe not where it needs to be and even a bad heart and God will get in there and God will soften it and other people will get in there and you'll go, you know what? This is the right thing to do. And you'll continue to the point of the blessing rather than quitting before the blessing could be found. Does that make sense? Um, my watch says 11.25. That says 11.30. Do I have like five more minutes? Good, I'll tell, tell a quick story. Um, in my business, I'm, I'm asked a lot um, to give advice. And um, I know, shocking, isn't it? <laughs> uh, and, I, you know, oftentimes I do give free advice. I, I mean, people will call me, they'll want my help, and, and I'll, I'll share that. I'll share with them what my thoughts are. And unfortunately, free advice is, like, worth exactly what it's paid for. You know what I'm saying? Like, what I find is when I give free advice, it's almost never followed. Almost never followed. Several times a month, I'll get asked by somebody... Oftentimes with an attitude, because you know I publish books, I help clients make them bestsellers, and then I like show them how to make money from that for their business, etc. So I'll get asked several times a month by somebody, "Hey, your your fee is too expensive. I can't pay your fee, but you do it for me for free." And sometimes they're nice about it, and sometimes they're not. You do it for me for free, and I will give you you know X percentage of my earnings. Okay, sounds interesting if they would ever really do that. But here's what I say in response. I say, you know, um, I understand you know, that, that finances are tight and the timing may not be right for you. But understand this. If you're not willing to invest in yourself, then I don't think me investing in you is going to produce anything for either one of us. Does that make sense? I say that to people. Okay? I say that to them. I mean it. If they're not willing to invest in themselves, even if they're not sure, if, they're, if they don't have faith enough to invest themselves, then even if I did it for them, it wouldn't produce anything. You know where I got that from? The Bible. That darn book. That's what God is saying right now to us. Have faith. Invest. Don't be afraid. Test me in this. Your attitude may not be 100% right. Your heart may not be 100% right. It, it, and you know what? This may be a terrible time for that. It doesn't matter. Test me. Try it. Have faith. Because the blessings right on the other side of that faith. Guys, thanks for listening to me. I hope this was helpful to you. Uh, we should probably have a prayer.